0: High. It's a dig!
1: Wednesday, July 13th, welcome to the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple, that's Jack McMullen. We really just
0: press record, he's got his Pinot Grigio and we're just gonna talk some baseball. It's very casual, it's very fun. What, you're shaking your head already? No, it's not Pinot Grigio, man, it's Pinot Noir. Pinot Grigio is a white, Pinot Noir is a red. I've got a Pinot Noir. Now, listen, there are several levels of income. Ah, There are rich people, there are poor people, and then there are people like me, who drink 2020 Pinot Noir, who can't afford anything older than like 2018. So that's my level
1: of income. And then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's the Oakland Athletics. And then
0: there's us. (laughs) I don't get on base.
1: You don't get on base at all. I want to talk about your White Sox for a second because your White Sox don't look like a playoff team. They don't even look like the third best team in their division. Well, technically they are the third best team in their division, but you know, the Royals are at least fun and the Tigers, you know, they, they do their own thing, but the White Sox look like just another version of those type of players. I kind of want to unpack your mind because Lance Lynn again, just had a terrible start in his last start. And he just continues to fire fastballs and cutters and sinkers that aren't moving like last year. And he's getting beat up. Michael Kopech, that's a big breath of fresh air. And who else? Reynaldo Lopez Cease. has been fine out of the bullpen. Cease but has
0: been good. Cease, Cease has been, been good. Gavin
1: Sheets has put bat on ball. Jose Abreu has been really good, you know. But, but at the end of the day, the White Sox have been one of the most disappointed teams in baseball. And You don't really seem that
0: passionate. You kind of just seem tired. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And And a guy that provides a lot of optimism on the mound is Davis Martin. And I think that Davis Martin goes about his business When he comes up, when he does get that nod from AAA Charlotte, he comes up and like competes on the mound, which is very exciting because sometimes when Dylan ceases on the mound, it feels like he doesn't compete. Most of the time it feels like he does. Sometimes it feels like he doesn't. Michael Kopech, he competes every night. Lance Lynn, he competes every night. This offense has not competed in a very, very, very long time. And I'm not talking years, I'm talking months this year. And we were expecting the White Sox to do great things, especially offensively, because we know how much talent this White Sox roster has. And as soon as the first two, three weeks went poorly for the White Sox offense, they decided to stop giving a shit. So Davis Martin went six innings, eight hits, four runs like it. it, The line doesn't look good against Davis Martin, but Davis Martin competed. The White Sox offense did not compete. And Shane Bieber, who I think if you asked him, would tell you that he's been throwing without his Cy Young stuff, without his best stuff, all year long. Obviously, it's getting better. He's got a 3-2 ERA. But that's who Shane Bieber is. He is on the short list of guys that can survive for an entire season without their best stuff. Bieber's fastballs, not what it was in 2020. His breaking balls are not what they were in 2020. But here he is throwing a complete game in 95 pitches. Really? You actually don't give a shit. Like, I'm so seven strikeouts, no walks, three hits, a run. 95 pitches in nine innings. Really impressive. Tip of the cap to Shane Bieber, masterclass by Shane Bieber. But this offense was just so uncompetitive to the point where, like, they were forfeiting at bats. It really felt like they were not up there ready to try and do damage and tie the game it was like all right this is game one of a doubleheader let's get ready for game two and you know what they're they're up for nothing in the top of the ninth in game two in the seventh inning of a game you shouldn't go into it just like hoping for a split of the doubleheader especially in game one like just fucking go try and and it feels like they're not trying right now
1: I understand why you're tired and why you're sad because I asked you to pinpoint, you know, some highlights of the White Sox and your first person you named was Davis Martin, who has a four, six, seven ERA. And yes, he competed, but at the end of the day, four earned runs to a guardians offense that also hasn't been hitting much lately. Come
0: on, give him credit. Nolan Jones looks great in his first couple of major league games.
1: Yes. Yes, he does. He does. But overall, you know, a guy like Oscar Gonzalez, who was phenomenal um, in the early goings has slowed down a lot. You know, Jose Ramirez, although phenomenal has not hit as well lately. Josh Naylor to name another guy. But my point is the white Sox and the Marlins have the same record. And that's the reality of the situation here with the Chicago White Sox. And the reason I wanted to talk about them, too, and more on packet is, do you even think they have a shot? Like, I, I hate calling it this early, but at the end of the day, what we do is we talk baseball every day and we have to understand the current atmosphere in baseball. And right now, the White Sox don't even look
0: like close to a playoff team. I think they're straying farther and farther from the shot that they could possibly have. Are they buyers uh, at the
1: deadline? What is this? No,
0: they're not buyers. I think really? they either... Is it just over? They, they stay put or they sell Jose Abreu and they wow. sell some other pieces, which just sucks because Jose Abreu has been through the shit with the White Sox. And I was hoping that the White Sox were going to give him some massive success at the end of his career. But here we are with Jose Abreu and this is as disappointing a team as you could possibly find. And, and is Abreu the leader of this team? Yeah, he is. Like... Tim Anderson is the, um, you know, at a surface level leader, I think, because he's the exciting player. He's the superstar on the team. But I think everybody looks at Jose Abreu as the leader in this clubhouse. And I think that they're going to trade the leader in the clubhouse because you've got two first basemen playing the corner outfield and Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. Make one of them your first baseman. Where does that leave Jose Abreu? The DH? He's older and you can get a good return here. Who else are you getting a solid return for? Who else are you dishing out is my big question. Do you part ways with Kendall Graveman, who you just signed? Do you part ways with Joe Kelly, who you just signed? Who else are people going to want? Because I think for Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and, you know, the the White Sox brass, Cease is untouchable. Kopech is untouchable. Tim Anderson's untouchable. Everybody else is available, but who are they going to want
1: Luis Luis Roberts, untouchable. Luis
0: Roberts, untouchable. Adam Angle, untouchable? No, I mean, like, (laughs) ship him off, dude. I don't care. Reese McGuire, get out. No, okay,
1: but can can I reel you back in for a second? Because I think what you're saying is somewhat blasphemous. Can I be honest with you? Somewhat blasphemous. You think the White Sox should sell? Like, it's over? You look at a division right now. Let me just pull up the AL Central standings. Because... Yes, the White Sox suck right now, and we're not going to cherry coat it. But at the end of the day, they are six games out of the Minnesota Twins, who certainly have their issues. The Guardians, as much as we love them and as much we think they can be good because they have this farm system that is loaded loaded probably the best farm system in baseball at least in the top three that they could go out and make some major moves but we know deep down inside and I'm sure guardians fans can attest to this that they won't go get a Wilson Contreras they won't go get a Sean Murphy it sounds good but will they actually do it probably not you can't tell me Jack that the White Sox should tear it down right in the, I guess this is supposed to be Luis Roberts, but I'm not saying, and I know you're not saying tear it down, Yeah, but when you're saying trade away the best reliever and trade away the four hitter, who also to Jose Abreu's credit later in this episode, we're going to talk about some players who are just hitting their stride in the last month, as well as some stars who have not been. Jose Abreu has been the fifth best hitter in baseball over the last month in terms of WRC+. You really think they should burn
0: and not burn it down they're not but, burning they're not okay, burning. but there's no way they have to buy it they have to buy jack i don't think they have to buy i really don't think they have to buy um and i don't think that this is the year because okay take yourself out of the vacuum of the al central i don't think they're winning the al central i think minnesota is going to win the al central at this they're point not, because they're of- not that good
1: though like, that's the thing. They're not that good. And when we look at the Red, because there's going to be three wildcard teams in this too. I mean, the Rays and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, that's going to be tough. And the Mariners are heating up, certainly. But the White Sox are still the White Sox at the end of the day. It's hard for me to believe that they will trade Jose Abreu, that they could trade Kendall Graven, because at the end of the day, well, you know, I'm even thinking about this as I talk, the White Sox have a garbage farm system.
0: Could it be a slight
1: sell to recoup some assets? Maybe, but it
0: just—it seems so unlikely. So, if I am Thad Levine, if I'm the general manager of the Twins, I think the offense is good enough to win the division, and I think that I'm going to say fuck the farm, and I'm going to go get Frankie Montas or Luis Castillo. I'm going to go get one of those. They should, and they they should. should. Um, The White Sox don't have a farm to say fuck off to. That's the thing. So, I I think if you've got anybody that can get you a return that you don't see in the five-year plan for this team, because yes, you can map forward a five-year plan. Tim Anderson's going to need a new contract, but then you've got Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. You've got the young core around for a five-year plan. So make a five-year plan. It should have started last year. I think it did make a four-year plan. If you're feeling worried about five, Hell, make a three-year plan. Does Jose Abreu, who's aging, and yes, I love Jose Abreu. I grew up with Jose Abreu, and I know what he's doing. He's hitting right around 300. But does a 35-year-old Jose Abreu factor into the five-year plan, factor into the four-year plan? Does a 38-year-old Jose Abreu factor into year three of the three-year plan? No. Yeah. Okay. I s- I'm sort of high... coming
1: around. It's just, I guess... You're right when looking at the just the white sox, but I feel like, and also, you know I've been talking about this with the Cardinals, you know, when I was on when I was on Cardinals radio at the end of the day, the Cardinals were going on a little bit of a slide. Now they're right now they're beating the Dodgers and they just had a couple of nice wins as well. the offense is finally starting to heat up as well as the Cardinals are starting to reel, you have to look at the whole landscape of the league and still realize that they are going to be a playoff team. And I still, it's so hard for me to put in my mind that the White Sox won't be a playoff team. It's just, it's hard to comprehend.
0: Um, Not only do I not think that they're going to be a playoff team, but I think that the Guardians, to your point of best farm system in baseball, have bypassed the White Sox in terms of excitement. Think about all the excitement that we had for the White Sox going into 2021. I think... When I look at the Guardians from a survey view, when I look at the Guardians from somebody who grew up a White Sox fan, I see a team that has the most exciting future in all of baseball. And I'll tell you this. I am a nut when it comes to watching minor league baseball. Yes, you. I watch a shit ton of minor league baseball. I work in minor league baseball. Watch it when I'm not honestly weird. It's weird. It's weird. Aram is the only arm might be one of the only people I've ever met that watches more minor league baseball than I. And I think that we see eye to eye on this Agreed. because while the Mariners had the top end talent and the Dodgers know how to develop unlike anybody else. And they've got the payroll to, to what they develop at home. I think the guardians have the most exciting future of any team in major league baseball right now. I think that they have the deepest farm system. I think that they have the best farm system. Mm. I have seen High A Lake County this past weekend, and I only saw them for three games. So I'm not going to pretend like I I know a ton, but you know what? I saw some very solid young pieces that aren't even top 30 guys that I said, wow, those are future Major League Baseball players. I love watching their AAA team in Columbus. The only team in minor league baseball that I like watching more than AAA Columbus, not named the Indianapolis Indians, is their AA affiliate in Akron. Their double-A affiliate, their front five hitters that they ran out a couple days ago included George Valera, Brian Roquio, Brian Lavastida, Jose Tana, and John Kenzie Noel. We know how good those five are. I mm-hmm. sent you a text of the lineup that Columbus ran out in game one with Logan Allen, who's a top 100 prospect, a top 10 prospect for the Guardians on the mound they had Richie Palacios in the lineup they had Gabriel Arias in the lineup they had Will Brennan in the lineup who's played 40 games in AAA he's hitting 340 they had Bo Naylor in the lineup i mean yeah
1: can we talk about Bo Naylor for a second because i'm Bo talking Nailers. about all the catchers right you know they should go get a catcher they should go get a catcher they should go get a rental because Bo Naylor is raking and will be the future catcher of the Cleveland Guardians, which they need. But that's just, can you get Wilson for two months? Get Wilson Contreras for
0: two months, dude, or go get Sean Murphy for like two and a half years and have Bo Naylor be the second guy, and you can move off of Murphy later if you want. Uh, You've got the assets to be able to do this shit. That's my thing. Like, you just called up Alex Call, who had a 400 OBP through like 80 AAA games. They spawn in the Guardian system. We know how good they are at developing pitchers. They went and got bat-to-ball center fielders and bat-to-ball shortstops and mixed in George Valera and Yankensi Noel, and they became a super system. I think the Guardians have the brightest future of any team in baseball. I'll stamp it. If I was going to handpick a team to be my favorite for the next seven, eight years of baseball, it's the team in Cleveland which is so weird to say fire me up though on that page let's
1: get off bad baseball let's move into some good baseball the Seattle Mariners are rolling
0: and they're number two on that list right if you were given all 30 teams and said you get to pick one team from scratch to be your favorite team my answer number one is Cleveland answer number two might be the Mariners dude
1: the Mariners have won nine of their last 10 games. They have now won eight in a row. They have allowed 19 runs in the month of July. That's nine games, 19 runs. What is that on average? About two, two runs a game? Yeah, let's do the, it. Just north of two, like 2.1. Yeah, 2.1. I'm a math guy. They have been phenomenal. And I, I there is a guy pitching down there in their bullpen. His name is Andres Munoz. Yes. Go Watch this man pitch. You like Edwin Diaz? There's a younger version sitting he's not in Seattle Diaz. right now. He's
0: not Diaz.
1: Dude, he is so disgusting. He gives me the same type of vibe, I guess. Obviously, he's not Edwin Diaz because Edwin Diaz on the Mets is really a top five reliever this season and has been one of the best relievers in baseball throughout the entire season. But this bullpen combined with the starting pitching – you know Marco Gonzalez is a guy who by the numbers is majorly due for regression, but you know what? He doesn't give a shit about your xERA. He has been dealing. Even a guy like Chris Flexen has been dealing. They've been getting good starts from George Kirby, just around and Robbie Ray, of course, your favorite player. Robbie Ray is yeah. like is like really fucking good. Yeah, no, That's I kind of love Robbie Ray right yeah. now. into um, <laughs> Robbie Ray right
0: now. No, hey, did you see what JT Muto said about Canada? <laughs> it was almost. It was just a little bit of money for him. He said, um, what did he say? I'm not going to let Canada decide what it, like I put in my body or something like that. That's hilarious. Yeah.
1: yeah, whatever your opinions are on the vaccination, it is hilarious that he almost challenged Canada. He's Yay. like, all of Canada is not going to make me put, and I, I did laugh at that. Like, whatever, whatever your opinions are, that was objectively funny.
0: It was very funny, and I don't think JT was trying to be funny at all, but I thought that was funny as hell. Um, here's the thing. I don't want to move off Edwin Diaz like that quickly. I just want to get back to Edwin Diaz. Let's play a game. Edwin Diaz, you know his ERA through 37 appearances?
1: It's got to be 1-4 something. 1-7. How about his FIP? Well, you just shook your head as if I was way off. That was pretty good. No,
0: you were pretty close. 1-7. Okay. What do you think his FIP is?
1: I think it's lower. I'm going to guess 1-6. One 1-2.
0: One <laughs> his FIP is 1-2. What do you think his Ks per 9 is? 14. 18, Oh. Edwin Diaz in 36 and a third innings has struck out 73 guys. And what do you think his strikeout to walk rate is?
1: Well, if his FIP is that low, I'm going to guess he has something nuts like a. I'm going to guess he has something like an eight to one K to walk ratio six. Wow. But his
0: six to one is the best of his career. Yeah. And obviously, 18 punch-outs per nine is the best of his career.
1: And he has one of the most electric walk-ins with the trumpet. Oh, that playing trumpet at City thing. Field. That it's EDM awesome.
0: trumpet thing. That's so sick. Yeah, it's, it's like awesome.
1: an EDM trumpet or whatever. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it fires me up. Whenever you're at City Field and you hear the, the trumpet in the background and you just have the light jogging from Edwin Diaz. Because we need more of those guys, you know? I feel like the last great one was Mariano Rivera it was with Kimbrel Sandman. Kimbrough. Or Kimbrel, too. That's a good one, too. Also, Chapman had one. Uh, which is cool, like at Yankee Stadium, if you go, it's, you know, at, in his heyday, obviously, because now he looks like a triple-A arm. God, he pisses me off. He's turning into the new Gary, in my opinion. Like, he is starting Ooh. to get to the point where I just
0: – I can't watch him. Like It's it's impossible to who, watch him. Who do you want off the team quicker, Chapman or Joey Gallo? Okay, so
1: I can spin this a couple of different ways. because oh, also, Gallo has, also, can we shit on Don LaGreca for a moment here? No. No, Dude, please. Because he's a legend and one of the most entertaining man men to ever step on the mic.
0: Okay. But are his takes perfect? Of course not. Okay. No oh,
1: man, is he entertaining? I he's love the entertaining
0: record. as shit. He's so entertaining ESPN, New York, somebody called in and, and pretty much, said um that he was wrong about gallo not being a hindrance to the yankees and then said you're only here because of michael k and you know he had an all-timer you can just search it on twitter go don lagreca and he said what like i'm going to be married to my wife for 17 years and i got three kids no michael (laughs) k involved i'm an an excellent driver michael k has nothing to do with that like that's so funny so obviously he debunked that he owed everything to michael k which was hilarious but before that. He kept on challenging this caller that was saying that Joey Gallo is hurting the Yankees and they need him off the roster. Don was like, tell me, tell me how Joey Gallo is hurting the Yankees. How is he hurting the Yankees? And the caller was like, he's got a 166 batting average, Don. And he was like, tell me how he's hurting the Yankees. Like that's exactly how he's hurting the Yankees.
1: He's hurting the Yankees because he can't hit the ball. But to (laughs) LeGreca's point, it was like, the Yankees are about forty games over five hundred. To quote him exactly, of course they're not forty games over five hundred. What are they? They might even be slightly more. I'm just checking out the standings. Like Thirty. They are sixty-one and twenty-five. It's a good it's amount. Thirty-six of games,
0: games. Thirty-six. They're
1: they're thirty-four and nine at home, by the way. Yeah. Um, but to get back um, to just the Joey Gallo part for a second. He is obviously terrible. And but LaGreca actually made a good point. It was like, we know that he's not going to have at bats in the playoffs. Like they're already preparing an exit strategy for Joey Gallo. I, you know, the Brewers have seemed interested. You know, I just think Joey Gallo needs a change of scenery, clearly. And I think when the shift, you know, gets expelled from baseball next season, I think he could actually be fine because. I've seen this guy have plenty of lineouts to the second baseman playing the shallow right field. Yeah, I think he needs a change of scenery. I just don't think it's working in New York. I can sit here and tell you that Joey Gallo on the Yankees has been dreadful and at the same time tell you that if he moved spots, I don't think he'd be as dreadful. Even the Rangers said that they would be interested in having him back. But to the point, Chapman almost worries me more because you're going to put Chapman – in a 3-2 game against the Red Sox. right? You're going to put Chapman in a 4-3 game against the Rays. You're going to put Chapman in a 5-4 game against the Blue Jays. That's the point. Joey Gallo hits ninth against righties and doesn't really do much, but at least has a very strong arm in the outfield and can play some defense. Has his defense not even been that great, though? Yeah, kind of. He hasn't been this amazing outfielder defensively. So is Joey Gallo on a day-in, day-out basis worse for the Yankees? Of course, but I'm worried that Chapman in big-time scenarios could single-handedly lose games for us rather than Joey Gallo's not single-handedly losing games for the Yankees. Yeah, That's why I'm the most scared of Chapman because
0: he's going to get put in those spots and we're going to lose because he looks like shit. Right. We got super sidetracked to the point where I was like trying to remember where we were originally, and I'm able to walk us really back. Good. The, yeah, the Mariners Mariners are, really are really good. Yeah, the Mariners are really good. But do you remember how we got there? I'm going to walk us backwards. Okay. Chapman versus Gallo. That conversation. Yeah. Chapman was a dominant closer, much like Kimbrel, much like Mariano Rivera. We were ooing and eyeing over Edwin Diaz's numbers, and yes, Yusuf Andres Munoz is like Edwin Diaz. We're right back to Seattle, baby. Andres Munoz, <laughs> that was pretty impressive for me. Phenomenal. I'm, I'm half a glass of wean in, too. I'm doing that. Munoz do a, <laughs> maybe is Maybe more
1: athletic a, on the bike, I think. Possibly.
0: He's got a possibly. 3-2-1 ERA. Uh, Eric Swanson has been unbelievable for them. Paul Seawald has been incredible for them in the bullpen. But then you mentioned Robbie Ray. How about Logan Gilbert, dude? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm blanking on what his alternate identity name is. Is it Walter? Is that right? Like. People started calling him Walter on days that he starts because like, he's just this tall, lanky, quiet dude on days that he doesn't start, and then he's just a killer on days that he does. He's got like this that. nickname, like this, this pseudonym on days that he starts, and Logan Gilbert has turned into, how do you want to say it, one of the best pitchers in the American League? I don't think that's
1: going too far right now. Because we were talking about how Dylan Cease is this amazing pitcher, and Logan Gilbert hasn't been that far off him, at least in the ERA department.
0: Yeah, in the ERA department, the, the yeah. strikeouts are exactly. not what Cease was doing. But yeah, but Logan Gilbert doesn't walk the world like Dylan Cease does either. Right. Yeah. Gilbert uh, is 10 and 3 in 18 starts with a two eight o ERA, and in 106 innings, he's got 100 punch outs and 29 walks. I'll take that. That works for me. Um, but offensively, the- it's, it's the J-Rod show. It's obviously Julio. But Ty, Ty France, France has been good. Cal Raleigh has been amazing over the last mm-hmm. couple of months. Yeah, last couple of weeks. Yeah. Say yeah, we're going a little far. <laughs> yeah, month to six weeks. But J.P. Crawford's been fine. Eugenio Suarez has been the better hitter out of he and Winker in that return. Mm-hmm. But Winker's been better
1: lately, which is also good. It's just everything is starting to tick up with the Mariners. And they're a tough team to peg because I said, you know, I don't think that they are a playoff team. But at the end of the day, the Blue Jays just got another bad start from Jose Barrios. They are currently beating the Phillies right now, but the Blue Jays do scare me. But at the end of the day, I believe that the Blue Jays will go all out at the trade deadline. Well, I don't know if the Mariners are going to go into full buy mode. That's also what we have to do here. We have to project future success. And while the Mariners are really hot right now, they sit at 45 and 42, 12 games back of the Astros, but still three and a half games up of the Rangers in third place in that division. It's hard to really peg the Mariners as this auto playoff team. When I look at the AL East, when I look at the possibility of the Guardians and the White Sox, it's tough knowing DePoto and his tendencies, because it's not like the Mariners were far off at this point last year. And what did he do? Traded Kendall Graveman, got Diego Castillo, and then the team ended up doing fine. But they, again, they weren't a playoff team. And I think that's the point here with the Mariners. Is DePoto finally going to say, This is what I wanted now? Julio's a bit ahead of schedule. I just don't
0: know. I really don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I was I was just looking at what their AAA and AA rosters look like because I I think that convinces me. And in AAA, they've got George Kirby, they've got Jared Kelnick, and they've got Kyle Lewis on a rehab assignment. Those are the three guys of note. That's actually not a really good roster. Aside from that, and, and we talk about the Guardians, like their AAA and AA roster are arguably top five rosters in all of minor league baseball. That's not what Seattle is dealing with at all. And I'm looking at double a Arkansas right now. Emerson Hancock is in double a right now. Um, who else? Caden Polkovich is in double a. See Matt Brash is going to the bullpen. Bra- like good. Brash yeah. in the bullpen. It makes a lot of sense this year. I think Brash wow. can, if you've got Seawald as the closer and you've got, Munoz and Brash getting you there I think that can turn into a three-headed monster that could win you a shit ton of games in August and September and fingers crossed in October um and this is a team
1: I, that can win one run games and when we talk about the run differential we kind of make funny it fun of it at the end of the day they are a plus 24 run differential because they win one run ball games like that is a predictor of success in my mind they play good defense they have a good bullpen and they pitch the opposite of the Phillies, even though the Phillies bullpen has been phenomenal lately, do we project that to continue to happen? Also on that front, Nick Castellanos has been dreadful lately, absolutely pitiful for the Phillies. But on the other side, Kyle Schwarber will not stop hitting home runs. He's almost at 30 this year. He's right behind Aaron judge. He's got 28 of them. Phillies are an interesting funny. team.
0: It was funny. Every, um, Every day I I look at this date in MLB history for our uh, Indians broadcast. We do it in the fifth inning. Mm -hmm. And on this date, on July 12th, 2015, Kyle Schwarber won the Futures game MVP. And Kyle Schwarber, it it was fun. On baseball reference, it said, catching prospect Kyle Schwarber. I totally forgot that he came up as a catcher with the Cubs. Um, Yeah, he can't stop hitting bombs. What do you think the Phillies have to hit? Do you think they go and like get more veteran bullpen? Like, I think Daniel Bard makes a lot of sense for the Phillies, that type of move.
1: Joe Mantiply, even with the Arizona Diamondbacks, might as well cash in on that. All star Joe, Joe Mantiply? All star Joe Mantiply. It's untouchable.
0: If I'm if I'm the GM of the Diamondbacks, Joe Mantiply is unfucking touchable.
1: You have to extend him. You have I'm to make ready him a part to part ways with Ketel Marte before Joe Mantiply. Are you willing to part ways with Mark Melanson and his five ERA for the
0: Diamondbacks? gun to my head mark melanson or ian kennedy i'll have to think about it (laughs) i think that's fair but there are so many
1: relievers available that the phillies can go pick up as well as a guy like ramon laureano from the ace who's really been heating up offensively and can actually add some defense to that team
0: that's going to be a bidding war between the phillies and the marlins and obviously the marlins can put together a better package but if kim ang drags her feet Dave might come in and say, "Hey, you like this Andy Painter guy?" What, why do we think traded- that
1: the Why do we think the Marlins are going to be buyers? They can't hit. They can't do anything. I think they have to buy with
0: control. That's my thing. Yes,
1: but Arriano is with about, control. I was being optimistic about the Marlins earlier this season, and as we've progressed throughout the season, watching this Marlins team, like what you're getting shut out by the Pirates. It's funny. I mean, because- at some point, it can't just be if Jazz isn't in the lineup, they have no shot. Garrett Cooper just got announced the All Star team, which is great. Yeah. John Birdie's fun. Joey Wendell can slap the ball around a little, and bit. and he doesn't
0: wear batting gloves. That's and important. he doesn't
1: wear batting gloves. The X grit off the charts, but the yeah. XBA ain't like it's just at some point we have to look at the Miami Marlins and just because they have Sandy, because Trevor Rogers as Sandy has ascended, Trevor Rogers has descended. Descend, des, descended is, yeah. is that a word? Yeah. yeah, that's a word. Yeah. yeah. Descending, yeah. Good Why job. am I an idiot? Why
0: How'd you am do I on idiot? the SAT? <laughs> Good enough to get to the same school you as. Fuck yeah. Um, man, I, it's funny with the Marlins because like one day out of five, we're talking about how great Sandy is. And four days out of five, we're shitting on Avi Garcia and Jesus Sanchez.
1: Avi Garcia, I mean, what a disaster. What a disaster! Can you avoid the contract. You got to do something. Can you just say screw it? Should we transition back to good baseball? Because if we're talking about the Mariners winning eight in a row, the Orioles are currently winning four to two in the top of the ninth inning against the Chicago Cubs. And now the Orioles, according to a rumor that I saw by MLB Nerds, which actually has been kind of interesting, they've been kind of on top of their game. The Orioles have checked in. On Luis Castillo of the Cincinnati Reds,
0: what are they doing over there? So, I guess my big question is why. But then I look at them winning nine in a row.
1: <laughs> at the end of the day, they have a better record than the White Sox. If they win this game tonight, which, you know, we got Rugnit on first base. It's top of the ninth, four to two. I i don't Rudy? want to assume that the Orioles are going to win because I'm, I bet on the Orioles' money line as an underdog against the Cubs and everybody told me I was an idiot. And I was like, what are you seeing with the Chicago Cubs? Again, they could blow it. So I'm not, I'm not counting my chickens yet, but it is four to two in the top of the ninth inning. I understand. They're going to be 44 and 44 if they win this game, 44 and 44. Let me just put that in perspective of where they sit in the standings. The blue Jays are 46 and 42. The Red Sox are 47 and 41, and the Rays are 47 and 40. I'm not saying that the Orioles are as good as those teams, but at some point we have to look at the roster and realize this team can hit a little bit. They really can. Cedric Mullins at the top of the lineup is
0: fantastic. Ryan Mountcastle is a real, real power yeah. hitter. okay. I was going to say spots can hit in this lineup. And the majority of spots can hit in their lineup, but they've got some serious holes in this lineup. Catcher, Adley Rutschman, filled. First base, Ryan Mountcastle, filled. D.H. Trey Mancini, filled. Outfield, Santander, Mullins, Hayes, filled. No problem there. Now let's look. Rugnet Odor, you need a legitimate upgrade. Shortstop, Jorge Mateo, he's a bench bat. You need Gunnar Henderson up. Third base, Ramon Urias, you need an upgrade.
1: He had a home run today.
0: (laughs) Okay, so don't (laughs) need an upgrade. And so did Mateo. And so did Mateo. I'm just saying, of course they're not perfect. Mateo sent one to the moon.
1: He did. Of course they're not perfect. But what team is? The Dodgers? What
0: team is perfect? No, the Dodgers are not perfect. Hold on. The Dodgers have won seven in a row. No, the Dodgers are very good. Perfect. What are we gonna? What are we gonna do right now? Are we gonna compare the Orioles to the Dodgers? Fucking Tyler Anderson looks
1: like Denton True Young. I know. I mean, the Dodgers and you know how I said Justin Turner was washed—not washed, but just he was looking washed. He was looking like Velo was getting by him. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. he's totally fine. It's interesting. I'm just saying that the Orioles could be buyers at this deadline, and I think. That whole bullpen, you know, with Felix Bautista and Jorge Lopez, and we could continue, they could get dealt. But at this point, don't sell Orioles. Maybe there's a couple bullpen guys that you can cash in on, maybe get a prospect or two, but you should get blown away because right now, keep this core together because the Orioles are very fun to watch. They're a good team. The pitching is going to be the problem. Is Dean Kramer going to continue this? Spencer Watkins gonna continue this, maybe not, but they're checking in on Luis Castillo. They're answering the call. I think it's interesting, and I just really want to shout out the Orioles because they've not only been now because they're not even the most underrated
0: team in baseball anymore. They're just turning into a pretty solid baseball team. Yeah, they're a pretty solid team. Um, I'm thinking second base, shortstop, and third base as early as next year could be filled by Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Rusberg. And Kobe Mayo. That's, That's fucking awesome. With all these pieces here, the offense is like relatively complete with Colton Kowser on his way. You know, the, the, he's the fill in if Santander moves or if Mullins moves. Um,
1: and we're going to talk about the mock draft tomorrow with Aram Cause arms coming out with his mock draft. The Orioles yeah. have the number one pick. And I said they should get Brooks Lee. And I think Aram is on the same page. I saw Brooks Lee down in Cal Poly. And I said, you know who that is? That's a switch hitting Alex Bregman. You trash saw him can as a Alex sophomore. Bregman. Trash can Alex Bregman. Yeah. You know when he was, but actually Alex Bregman has been much hotter lately, and actually has been looking like the, the guy who you know the trash cans and all that kind of junk. Yeah. But Alex Bregman, that's the kind of hitter, just a doubles machine who could hit over three hundred and is one of the most advanced college bats, probably the most advanced college bat in this draft, and could be an early riser because there's really no way to get him out. There's no way to get this guy out. He set the doubles record at Cal Poly. He could have gone in the draft as a high school, but decided to play with his dad. And now he might be the number one overall pick, especially because we've heard, you know, some of these high school guys, we aren't sure where they're going to commit, or we do know where they're technically committed in college, but we don't know if they're going to actually go to college or not.
0: Drew Jones and Vandy, Tamar Johnson and Arizona State. Um. I, I would assume they just take the mega millions, but NIL changes a fuck ton in college athletics. Changes a saying. ton. The G League is, I don't think the G League ignites shit is anymore after uh, this guy, Scoot Henderson. Um, obviously, football was never going to change, but baseball, like, it might actually change. There might be first-round talents who, instead of going to Japan, like Carter Stewart, actually just play college baseball.
1: Or Brady All Aiken,
0: first. who went to IMG instead of going to UCLA, like Brady Aiken might have just gone to UCLA if NIL was in play.
1: Also, shout out Carter Stewart, to your point. Went to the MPB, signed a seven-year, $7 million deal. Yeah. It's kind of a good idea. And now he's pitching well in the MPB, and he can come back over as a 26-year-old. Is he? Very interesting route that some of these guys might take. Maybe like a Drew Jones goes to Vandy, signs a big old mega deal, NIL, gets to play over there with one of the great programs in college baseball. Maybe you know, unlock that hit tool a little bit more, become more of a professional, and then go to the bigs and sign that big deal. Because, you know, Drew Jones is still going to be within the top five when he comes out. I don't know what's stopping him. There's always the risk there in college. I'm not going to say that there isn't. But that's something that he could do.
0: Bro, Carter Stewart actually has a one-five ERA through six starts. Really? I mean, he's going to come over. I'm just checking back in on this Orioles score. The Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. Freddie Galvis is his teammate. Fire. And Tyler Chatwood. That's sick. And Oh, and Suyoshi Wada. You remember Suyoshi Wada? No. He came over. He was a Cubs left-hander for a little bit. And the thing with Wada was the Cubs wouldn't let him face a lineup for the third time because he was a lefty that like topped it 90 and he would just like kind of hang out there and he was not good. But he would face the lineup twice and be great, and the third time through, he would just get rocked.
1: Interesting. Should we get back to the Orioles
0: for a little we bit? Can or we if start? you want, we can talk I, about the SoftBank Hawks if you want.
1: I mean, the SoftBank Hawks, as interesting as they are, what's more interesting is these Baltimore Orioles. And now it's first and second, two outs. The game is is close to ending. But the Baltimore Orioles are hot. To summarize, I think they will be buyers. Maybe they don't get Luis Castillo. But the rumors are out there and they're calling, which I think is awesome because in Baltimore, that hasn't happened in a long time. And it's funny, we were talking about the Baltimore Orioles' current major league roster, but then in the minor leagues, they're set up beautifully. And we haven't even talked about the pitching too because that's the big need, right? We knew they could hit. Yeah, that's the need. And they're going to get them. But at the end of the day, they have maybe the best pitching prospect in the entire sport in Grayson Rodriguez, who is currently injured. But when he's right, they're going to have a horse At the top of their rotation, too. And then you've got the problem with this draft and DL Hall, who's carving. I wish there was a big time pitcher in this draft that possibly they could go one-one with to get another guy like that. But the end of the day, when you're drafting in baseball, you don't draft for need, you draft best player available because at the end of the day, these guys, it's they're two, three years away. So they should go with Brooksley. And I think they will, and that's going to add another great offensive weapon to this
0: team. They're very exciting, Jack.
1: They're very exciting.
0: Working backwards, pitchers that were taking number one overall. Casey Mize, Brady Aiken, Mark Appel, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, David Price, Luke Hochshaver, Matt or uh, Matt Bush was a shortstop, Brian Bullington, uh, and then you got to go back to the 90s. I mean, that is so hit or miss. It is
1: hit or miss. You either get Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, and also Steven Strasburg now, or you get Brian Bullington. Yeah. Let's talk about some guys who... So what I did is I created a list. I queried on fan graphs. I wanted to go back to June 12th, because today is July 12th, but you are hearing this on July 13th. Five relative stars that have just been awful over the last month that are hurting their teams. But then on the other side, five guys who are dominating at the plate and really helping their teams that you might not realize. I think this makes sense for fantasy. And in general, I just think it's awesome content. Let's start with five guys who are really struggling and I'm starting with the Marlins and Jacob Stallings because this catcher who they got over in this trade was supposed to be at least an above average, average ish catcher offensively, but then he was going to provide a ton behind the plate But at the end of the day, he hasn't been phenomenal back there defensively. And in the last month, Jack, Jacob Stallings is slashing 136, 190, 186 with an 11 WRC plus. And then I went back and I just looked at how Jacob Stallings has performed his entire career.
0: No, no, just his entire his entire
1: career. Just to see and just to realize that at the end of the day, He's put up a 700 OPS no, in a couple a of seasons.
0: No, a OPS.
1: Okay. I'm even being generous. No, no, not
0: this season. Look oh, at just yeah. the last,
1: last three seasons. It's 708, been a,
0: 702, 704. That's bad. And they got him, I
1: feel like, thinking he was going to be at least solid.
0: And on he just the, hasn't been even close to that. On the year, do you know what he's slugging? I'm going to guess 350. Slugging two thirty five. Oh, 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 oh! He's got thirty seven hits. How many extra base hits do you think he has? Four, six. He's got four doubles and two homers.
1: Sorry, Marlins fans.
0: He's horrible. I was watching the uh, I was watching the Pirates pregame before our game started last night, and. He got his gold glove award. Um, you know, because the pirates are in town, they're in Miami. He won his gold glove with the pirates. And the pirates pregame show featured like a sit-down conversation with him in the dugout. And this dude just looked so sad. <laughs> like he just yeah. looked like he was staring out to the abyss. And I would be too if I was hitting a buck 85 with a 235 slugging. Let's
1: move on to the next guy who can't hit it all. You remember we were talking about the Mariners. I'm going to shit on them a little bit because J.P. Crawford cannot hit the broad side of a barn. I I keep trying to figure out,
0: is the broad side of a barn? Broad side of a barn. Yeah, you got to live in the Midwest, man.
1: I know. I'm a a coast-to-coast guy. J.P. Crawford sitting 173 with a 233 on base, 190 slugging with a 27 WRC plus that puts him in the bottom 10 in baseball during that span. J.P. Crawford had this great start offensively. But the problem with JP Crawford and why we were maybe switching our barometer from Dansey Swanson over to JP Crawford was that he was hitting. But at this point, his overall stats on the season are not very good. And he hasn't been playing very good defense. He might just be below average and we have to find another barometer.
0: He's hitting 266 with a 731 OPS. I'd still say they're good. He needs to be a gold glover for that to be really good, though. And, he and he's not. Been. He hasn't been. He's been a bad defensive shortstop. In June, he had a 552 OPS. It's, it's not good. So, like, you need JP to be solid. Yes. Um, and, he, and he hasn't been solid as of late. Now, he was amazing in April. Find the middle ground, dude. <laughs> and maybe this is why another guy, shortstop, maybe this was why
1: Tommy Admin is on an all-star. The last month, 205. 237 on base, 277 slugging with a 47 WRC plus the Cardinals offense as a whole has been in a lull, but Tommy Edmond is in charge of that. And Tommy Edmond has now dropped from, you know, he was leading off for a while. Now he hits eighth and he just really isn't a threat at the plate. Those exit velos have not translated when we saw 113 exit at the beginning of the season those have not translated into much success for Tommy Edmond. at least lately do I expect him to get better of course but at the end of the day I think we know what Tommy Edmond is he's a league average hitter who's one of the best defenders in the sport and I, that's what he is I think at this point and I think it's fair to say that and fair
0: to come to that conclusion one of the best defenders in baseball with an OPS plus at 100 on the there year there you go there you go exactly average
1: exactly average here's another guy who i was surprised to see in the bottom 25 in baseball in wrc plus lately because i think this guy's phenomenal and another guy who's one of the best defenders in baseball but can't hit a broad broad side of a barn right there we go cabrian hayes sitting 186 231 304 slugging with a 49 wrc plus Brian Hayes, we're continuing to wait for the bat to get going because even last year it was good, not great. And this year it's been fine. I'm interested to see if he's really going to be a hitter in this league, Jack. What do you think?
0: He's slugging 357.
1: That's not good. But we knew he's
0: that. Got, he's got to slug more than that. And I, I don't think that the Pirates just paid him eight years, 70 million to be Tommy Edmond one of the best defenders in baseball and an average hitter. That's what we're looking at with Brian Hayes right now. One of the best defenders in baseball could become the best defensive third baseman in baseball, but an average hitter. You paid who you think becomes the best defensive third baseman in baseball and an above average hitter.
1: You didn't really get to watch him in Indianapolis because you weren't there yet. I wasn't there. Yeah. So you can't, you can't point to the fact of well, in the minor leagues, this is what I saw. And I really do think that he can be this great
0: hitter. It's tough. I don't, know. don't
1: truly know, I, but I've at this heard, point he hasn't shown it.
0: Yeah. I've heard from people with the Indians that they loved to Brian Hayes when he was in an Indian and they thought that he could become this superstar type player. And they thought that it was, it was bad that he, he took the money here, but I understand why you take the money. It's eight years, $70 million. Um, I don't know. I, I've been concerned that he won't slug in his career since he first came up, and um, he obviously looked great in those, what, 24 games? He, I, he finished sixth in Rookie of the Year voting in 24 games in 2020. Granted, that's like half the season in 2020, um, but since then, he's just never really showed that he can impact the baseball consistently. And that's the problem right now with Cabrian Hayes. Another
1: guy who's not impacting the baseball consistently and hasn't really oh, – I'm even saying consistently – because he hasn't hit the ball really at all this year. And in the past month, it's not been good, Jack. your rookie of the year last year. Jonathan India slashing 176, 250, 297 with a 52 WRC plus, which puts him in the bottom 25 in baseball during that span. Jonathan India not slugging is interesting. And I was just watching a couple of his at-bats against Garrett Cole. It is Garrett Cole at the end of the day, but the bat speed doesn't look the same. He's not putting together good at bats. It just doesn't look like the same Jonathan India. And the numbers would clearly back that up. He has not been good, to say lightly.
0: He's been hurt. I, I think is he still hurt? Because he's been playing a while now. He's been playing for 35
1: games. And how's it going? Not well. So he's just I, playing hurt with no, the red. Why even play hurt, hurt right like, now?
0: It takes a little bit. Okay. I think it takes a little bit. I I'm not. Out I think you're talking Jonathan yourself to, into this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he like he's not going to play 100 games this year. So this is an injury hampered season where he's on a non competitive team. Yes. Last year, you got to remember the Reds were kind of competitive, like all they the were. way till the end. They were full on competitive, and now they're not. So I don't want to like call this year a wash for India because he still needs to be good if he plays 80 games, 90 games, even if he gets over that 100 game threshold, but um, I don't know. Talk to me when he hits game 60, 35. Okay. I'm not totally worried yet.
1: We're just going to, we're going to keep tabs. So those are five guys who are struggling. Let's talk about five guys who are raking. And I want to end on another team that I really want to talk about who is in the AL East. And let's start with Harold Ramirez. He is third in baseball. You know, we could talk about, you know, there have been guys who have been just crushing the ball. Jordan Alvarez has a 220 WRC plus in the past month. Unbelievable. Paul Goldschmidt. Same thing, but at number three, Harold Ramirez is slashing 395, 457 with a 568 slug to give him a 1024 OPS, a 197 WRC plus placing him third in all of baseball. Marlins fans, don't you wish you had Harold Ramirez back? The Rays
0: Yes. Lost him. Tampa might've done it again.
1: They might've done it again. Should we break she, into the next guy
0: or yeah. do you have
1: anything else to say about Harold Ramirez? Because there's not, it's just, I mean, do I expect this to continue? I don't know. But since coming over to the race, he's been a guy who's hitting consistently over 300. It's kind of incredible to see this guy kind of just revamp his career in the trop where it is kind of hard to hit, but he's been the guy who's just been kind of
0: an anchor in this offense for them this season. He was an off season waiver claim by the Cubs. And the Cubs traded him for Esteban Quiroz. And while Esteban Quiroz could turn out to be fine, I think the Cubs would love to sell tickets with Harold Ramirez because of what he's doing right now. And like Harold Ramirez, you know, lack of hard contact, whatever, yada, yada, yada. 72 games, he's hitting 330.
1: 330. Also, Orioles, one nine in a row. Wow. Orioles officially did. They just beat the Cubs four to two. Next on the list of guys raking, Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. Carlos Santana hitting 311, 440, 527 to give him a 967 OPS, a 179 WRC+, which places him ninth in baseball during that span. And he's walking more than he's striking out. Did the trade help him? But he's been doing this with both teams so far. He's actually been hitting very, very well. It's interesting.
0: He was terrible to start the year. Let's get that out of the way. Yes. Um, He was like literally horrible. Like, do you release this guy? And then all of a sudden in Seattle through 12 games, he's got a 950 OPS. Um,
1: He's making up for J.P. Crawford Out of all people. Carlos Santana is making up for J.P.
0: Crawford. Is that a sentence we thought we'd hear? No. This past weekend was awesome to watch. I mean, him dicking down the Blue Jays was hilarious.
1: Hilarious. It's just funny to see Carlos Santana raking. And it's just... He's also, it's just the classic Carlos Santana too, walking more than he's striking out on top of it.
0: So I love watching the Mariners because like Dave, I think Dave Sims is one of the best broadcasters in baseball. Um, it, we had that viral video last year of that Mitch Hanager, um two run single, I want to say, um, on game, that was game 162, that forced game 163, I want to say. Uh, Dave Sims is awesome. Aaron Goldsmith, I think is great too. And he was doing Mariners Jays on TV over the weekend. And Santana went yard. I think he went yard three times over the weekend against Toronto in a sweep. And Aaron Goldsmith was just yelling, he did it again. Like shit like that. It was so funny because of all people to crush the blue Jays and the preseason expectations that they had Carlos Santana. It's like Wolf of wall street, like Benny fucking Hanna, Carlos <laughs> fucking Santana. <laughs>
1: Ryan Mountcastle is next on this list, 12th in WRC plus during the span, 327 average, 355 on base, 634 slugging with a 989 OPS and that 175 WRC plus. Glad we were talking about the Orioles. They just finished 9-0 and in their last nine and Ryan Mountcastle is finally becoming that big time slugger that they need. Arm was on him early. Colby on not gambling advice, gave him out in fantasy baseball saying, add this guy now a couple of weeks ago. And over the last month, Ryan Mountcastle has been one of the best overall
0: hitters in baseball and is leading the charge now for this Orioles team. Dude, I mean, he might be one of the best power bats at baseball for the foreseeable future. Hey, <laughs> Arm said what Mountcastle is going to hit 50. Yeah, he was he, there. You know, Arm and Colby are
1: huge Ryan Mountcastle guys. And haven't you noticed when those guys are aligned, normally it ends up working
0: out. They're always at odds, but when they're aligned, it normally ends up working out. So last year was his first full season, obviously. He played in 144 games, 33 pumps, 89 driven in. His 162 game average, and he's only played 253 career games, but his 162 game average, 33 homers, 100 RBIs, and a 272 average. I think that's only going
1: to tick up. I wish they didn't move the wall back 15 feet in left field.
0: Yeah, I think that was to protect Bruce Zimmerman.
1: He needs protection at the end of the day.
0: Jordan Lyles.
1: Jordan Lyles. (laughs) Should we talk about Jordan Lyles for a second? Seven innings, seven hits, two earned, five Ks. Lowered his ERA to 437. Yes,
0: scatter (laughs) the hits. (laughs) Scatter them.
1: Next on the list is Aaron Hicks. Talked about Aaron Hicks for a little bit, slashing 265. so the batting average is a little bit low, but he's getting on base like a fiend, 375 on base, 559 slugging, 934 OPS to give him a 164 WRC+. plus. The boos of Aaron Hicks have quieted in New York, and if Aaron Hicks is hitting, the Yankees don't really have any weaknesses because in the outfield it was Hicks, it was Gallo, but now it's just Gallo. If Hicks can really be that guy that the Yankees paid him to be, the Yankees are just get more and more
0: dangerous. That um when he hit that game tying homer and he knew it like that was one of the coolest sh- like camera shots I've ever he seen. Can, he can pimp a motherfucker. Dude. Man, he, he can pimp, pimp the a homer. Shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. Um now here's my thought on why Aaron Hicks is a bad teammate. You ready? Okay. Let's hear it. Aaron Hicks is a bad teammate because he was joining joey gallo on the titanic he was terrible Mm. gallo was terrible and it was god we got to get rid of hicks and gallo and now hicks has turned it on and he's left joey gallo on an island by himself i think he's being a bad teammate to joey gallo by being good
1: but at the same time he's being a great teammate to all other 23 of them
0: yeah but man it's all about the individual relationships you form and that creates this this cohesive unit (sighs) I don't know. I feel like he's a bit divisive.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can spit it any way you want, but at the end of the day, Aaron Hicks has been excellent for the New York Yankees, and the guy I'm going to end on who's actually been better than Aaron Hicks, but I wanted to end on him because I want to end on the Rays, is Yandy Diaz, who is destroying baseballs. 360. Yeah, he's hitting 360 this month. 430 on base, 500 slugging to give him a 930 OPS, give him a 173 WRC+, plus, which places him... 14th in baseball during this span Yandy Diaz man and the reason I want to talk about the Rays in general is because while the Red Sox are getting a lot of love deservedly so while the Blue Jays are getting kind of you know hit or miss it's still the Tampa Bay Rays sitting in second place in the AL East and the reason I also want to talk about them is because while the bats are starting to heat up Brandon Lau is performing in the minor leagues right now, and he's going to be up. Luis Patino, yeah, he's on a rehab assignment. Luis Patino is supposed to come back as well. I know Shane Boz just got beat up by the Reds. I'm calling that a fluke. I'm calling it the Great American Coors Effect at this point. Shane Boz is excellent. They have a lot of arms. Their bullpen, we know it. A lot of their bullpen arms are injured right now. This is one of the most injured teams in baseball. And the fact that they're in second place in their division just continues to tell me why not only do I think this is a playoff team, I legitimately think that this could be a World Series contender. I am I'm I had Dodgers Rays at the beginning of the year as my World Series matchup, and I'm
0: not backing off it because I still think the Rays have a shot. Yeah. I the only Piece I feel like is missing to the puzzle is a frontline left-handed starter. I think they need that really badly. Yeah. yeah. Like a Cy oh, Young contending left-handed starter. I know we're being sarcastic, but like, can we talk about how good
1: Shane McClanahan he's has been too? I, I feel like we do it all the time. He's just and we do it all freak. the time and he's a freak too. But at some point it's game one of a playoff series. It's McClanahan versus... You're you might be favored in that game, regardless. I mean, unless it's Garrett Cole and the Yankees, but the Rays have been able to hit Garrett Cole in the
0: past. Who's he not favored against? Verlander and the Astros. I mean, it's a pick'em. It's a pick'em. He's for sure favored against Framber Valdez, right? Oh, yeah. He's favored against
1: Framber. We're looking at the Twins. He's favored against Dylan Bundy. No, I'm yeah, just it would be probably Sonny Gray, definitely favored there. Yeah, or Joe Joe Red Sox and saying. Sale. The you know it was just Kluber versus Sale today, and Sale just made his return and actually looked phenomenal. Yeah, in 95. his return, he was up to ninety five, had some shutout innings, and then the Red Sox bullpen ended up blowing it. But the Rays won that game. The Rays won that game even with a dominant start from Chris Sale. McClain the Rays has- can beat anybody with any matchup. And that's why they're dangerous because even if they're throwing out Matt Whistler to start the
0: game, yeah, they can win 10 to five. I don't think they, they survive like that. What I will say is I'm circling 2023 with Sharpie on Tampa because assuming they hold him a three of McClanahan, Boz and Tyler Glassnow is going to be comically disgusting. Comically discussing. I just hope Tyler Glasson can get a grip on the baseball because that's what's holding him back from being maybe one of the best pitchers in baseball. um Yeah, I mean, just circling back to Yandy Diaz, like as Wander Franco was hurt and struggled, and as Brandon Lau was hurt, you've got Harold Ramirez and Yandy Diaz both hitting over 300. And Isak also rakes. Yeah, you can never count Tampa out because Yandy Diaz is going to hit 307 and Harold Ramirez is going to hit 330. Any Isak Paredes is going to go nuclear for a week and a half. This is what Tampa does.
1: That's how we're going to end it. Remember Tampa. Do not count them out. Use code JustBaseball for prize picks. We do a Twitter space every day on my Twitter, at PeterApple23. If you want some free money to play along with some player props, use code JustBaseball when you download the prize picks app, as well as join our baseball group. Chat. It's getting bigger and bigger by the day. And it's funny, I'm losing control of it, Jack. There are so many people giving out picks in there. It's almost like, I don't even know if people even enjoy my picks anymore. I think it's just, there are so many people in there giving out picks of the day that it's like, you know, I give out my two or three a day or whatever. There's 70 baseball games being gambled on in that, in that chat, as well as general baseball talk or fantasy baseball guys are starting to talk in there. Some college baseball stuff, some draft stuff. Arm is talking prospects in there. It's really becoming a great baseball group chat. If you want to join, talk with us for free. Download the Chalkboard app. The link is in our episode description. And get yourself some Just Baseball merch. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. How about a not gambling advice tea? How about a Just Baseball tea? What about a Just Baseball hat? We got all of them. Hit that link in our episode description. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. Anything else before we go?
0: Now I'm going to pour myself another glass of Pinot Noir and uh, either watch late night baseball or get set for the KBO or watch... More winning time on HBO. With that, thank you, everybody.